Hello, Nathan. Hello, Trevor. How you doing, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right, buddy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. This week, we are talking about The Death of Stalin, a 2017 comedy written and directed by Armando Anucci. Are you aware of Armando Anucci, Nath? Do you know who he is? No. He was like behind the day-to-day. Right. He worked on the day-to-day where Alan Partridge first came about. Then he wrote with Steve Coogan, Knowing Me, Knowing You, and I'm Alan Partridge. He directed that as well. Yeah. And the film, Alpha Papa, he didn't direct it, but he wrote it with Steve Coogan and others. I still haven't seen that. Have you not? No. Yes, it's well worth a watch. I think Armando Nucci is uh, more famous for satirical comedy, The Thick of It, and in America, uh, Veep. The Thick of It, great political comedy. I've watched that several times. I've got the box set and never get bored of it. But then he done a movie of that called In the Loop as well yeah. with uh, James Gandolfini, whose name isn't Paul Gandolfini, as I like to say. I think I saw that before I saw The Thick of It and then went back and watched The Thick of It. Um, but last year he released his own adaptation of The Personal History of David Copperfield based on the Charles Dickens book. Right. It's one of the last films I watched at the cinema before uh, we weren't allowed to go to the cinema anymore. And it's not the sort of film I'd usually watch, but it was absolutely brilliant. A really great cast. Tilda Swinton, Peter Capaldi again, Hugh Laurie, Ben Whishaw, and Dev Patel plays David Copperfield. I tried listening to a radio play of it to see how close they was, like a dramatisation, and... The dramatization was exactly what you expect of a Dickens thing, you know, all thespians doing their lovey dovey acting and real drawn out. It was, I enjoyed it, but just to see how Amando Anucci has put his own spin on that story is absolutely amazing. I thought it was, I thought that was really good as well. So yeah, big big Amando Anucci fan. Cool. But uh, yeah, the death of Stalin takes. A satirical look at exactly what it says on the tin, really, isn't it? The death of Joseph Stalin. Yeah. And uh, the fight for power afterwards, isn't it? Yeah, the immediate sort of following, uh, the aftermath, so to speak. It's, um, yeah, good film. Yeah. It's surprisingly funny for such a dark sort of material, isn't it? Because it isn't. It's so close to the hot historical fact that it's sort of frightening that it's funny at all. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of, there are definite moments in it when you don't know whether to laugh or not. Yeah. You know, because it is very clear how serious it is. And yeah, I didn't. I really didn't know how to take it at the start, if I'm honest. No. But we'll get on to that. We'll, we'll talk more about the death of Stalin in a minute. Because first of all, I like to, about this time of night, I put my feet up and I say, so Nath, have you watched any films this week? I love it when you ask me this question. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, and uh, the the answer, in all honesty this week, is no, once again, I have not. Oh. So far this week, I have completely finished um, Parks and Recreation. I've watched... All of the episodes of the first season of the animated, ah, what is it, Pacific Rim? Oh, right. 
I've not seen it. I've, I don't know if I've even seen the film of Pacific Ring. I think That's they the thought... That's the robots, isn't it? Yeah, Conquering I think... Creatures or something. Yeah, so basically um, an interdimensional gateway opens up and these creatures come through that start attacking the Earth and then in order to fight them, we develop technology and build these massive robots that need to be piloted by two people who have sort of some sort of mind connection inside the machine uh, because it's too much for one person's brain to handle. Anyway, it goes on. They fight these big creatures. It's it's clearly for the visual spectacle. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just basically Godzilla fighting a big robot. And they're, they're, I think they're done really well. I think they both have really cheesy elements in them, but, yeah. you know, a lot of good films do. And um, I don't know. I just saw the animated series. It caught my eye. I had time off last week, so I watched that. And then I also watched, um, I don't know if you've watched any Paradise PD on Netflix. No. The name rings a bell. That's not the oh. puppets, is it? No, no. no. It's, um, it's an animated series, very much in a sort of, family guy kind of vein but it just it gets really weird other than that no films i'm afraid trev but this isn't we need to talk about tv nathan you should know that (laughs) we need to talk about netflix series what's going on here (laughs) no it's good so i you're saying about the pacific rim um cartoon yeah because i one of my favourite sort of animated series was the animated series of the Tron of Tron. I think it's called Tron Uprising. Right, yeah. And it sort of came out either after or before Tron Legacy. I think it was after. Uh, I don't know if you're aware. You've seen the Tron films, have you? Yeah, I think I watched the second Tron film. Yeah. With you. Oh, you could have done. See, because I, I don't yeah. mind them. I mean, they're, they're just the first one's a bit dull. The second one's it's not great, but it's all right. But the cartoons, I really, really enjoyed the the cartoon series, the animated series of it. Yeah, that's uh, available on Disney Plus. Worth checking out. But uh, I've watched some movies this week. I have watched. I've, I tell you what, I've watched a fair few this week. I've had a bit of time to myself, so I've kick started the uh new series that i'm doing over on our hag films channel on youtube yeah which is i don't know if i told you about this it's yes just, no films that i own that i haven't yet watched films that i've watched that i haven't yet bought and this week i've watched several of those or two or three so i'm a couple of weeks ahead of myself that's the idea while i had a bit of time yeah uh some of them i really liked one of them i really didn't like so it's <laughs> It was hard going. I won't go into too much of that, but... But no spoilers. No spoilers. You're going to have to go and check it out on Hag Films. Ha- uh, YouTube, just type in Hag Films and then look for... Well, you can see our playlist over there. But I also watched uh, a TV movie. I started watching it while I was, like, tidying up the kitchen and that. I just put it on YouTube. It was on YouTube. To Catch a Killer. Right. Which I think was 1992. And it's all about uh, the police trying to arrest John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer. And he's played by Brian Dennehy. Do you, do you know Brian Dennehy? He's like the, I think he's the cop in First Blood. And he's also the head alien in um, Cocoon. 
Have you ever seen that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all right. It's only a cheesy TV movie. But, uh, yeah, Brian Dennehy was quite good in that as uh, John Wayne Gacy. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, last week we talked about The Man Who Wasn't There. No. Um, it was actually last week. No, all right. We talked about something else. We talked about Capone. But the last video to go up live, or the last one that was published, was we gets confusing, was the man who wasn't there. Yeah. Capone hasn't gone live at the moment. This, see, this always confuses me. So I know, it's a, the one, I'm ahead of myself. The one where we had a free discussion about film and very briefly mentioned Capone hasn't gone live yet. <laughs> no, that goes live this weekend. Right. This week, the end of this week. But yeah, the last time people commented was during The Man Who Wasn't There. Okay. Which was episode six. So, yeah, this is episode eight. Wow. Wow. Um, and they said things such as... Uh, we talked about Stephen King briefly. I watched it again. And Life on the Rocks said, Hi, lads. I am a huge Stephen King fan. I own everything he's published and I'm four books away from finishing all 62 of his novels. That's pretty immense yeah i mean you think i've got a lot of time on my hands <laughs> yeah I, I mean i don't really know what to say about that i mean con- I've read a lot congratulations of books some of them i haven't really enjoyed some of them i haven't even finished so good good on you for going through that i think one of the ones i remember not liking was cell yes sounds quite interesting about technology you know to mobile phones all sort of and it turned into a zombie book and i just lost interest zombies don't do it for me Nate. i think if i'm honest i only own one stephen king novel and i'm from memory i've never read it because it was on a free uh, book swap thing but i think it might be the cell yeah all right so what you're saying is don't read it no <laughs> uh, it's not my sort of thing i just zombies are just one trick to me you know yeah they're pretty dull um we had the FDSE said, really enjoying this series, guys. I love the Coen brothers. The Big Lebowski was my absolute favourite, but I have to confess to never wa- have never watched The Man Who Wasn't There. I can't wait to watch it now. It's worth watching, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We should do a review on it. <laughs> we should. He says, my favourite movie of all time is With Nail and I. I drive my family mad continually quoting it you ever seen that with nail and i no richard e grant and paul is it paul mcgann one of the mcgann brothers but that's really good but two sort of i don't know if they're both actors richard e grant is certainly an unemployed actor and they're just always trying to drink always trying to get drunk classic british comedy i can't believe i haven't watched it it looks like the sort of thing that would be right up my street yeah it is really good yeah. Um, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have a look at, for that and uh, do that one day. Yeah. Um, and then, as part of my films I own, but I haven't watched series, I just reviewed The Fog came out. And I was sort of a mixed bag on it, you know. I didn't, I didn't mind it, but it wasn't my sort of thing. We had a few comments on that. Team Valhalla said they loved John Carpenter's The Thing, proper tense sci-fi horror creature feature. Not sure we've seen The Fog, one of those films that has had a few rehashes. Um, And then they said, 
or maybe I'm confusing it with something else. The Mist. Uh, the Mist is actually based on a Stephen King book. Steve Outdoors said, I watched that in the 70s when it came out, and I, I did like it then. And Bluey says, this wasn't one for me either, Trev. Just wrapped up watching it. There were some good moments in it, though. Overall, it f- I felt it was low budget, well executed, but the narrative and presentation felt dated even for 1980. Um, and it was... It was really stylish. Some really good bits in it. Have you ever seen The Fog, Naif? John Carpenter's The Fog? I haven't, mate, no. But yeah, one of the things, it's like, Jamie Lee Curtis is hitchhiking. She, this bloke picks her up in the car. Yeah. They share a moment where, like, there's this noise and all all the glass smashes in the car and the car stops. Cuts to the next scene and they're in bed together. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... You're like, well, yeah, that was quick. <laughs> You've only just well, met. Uh, Weird. But uh, if Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, I might give it a watch. But uh, it was quite good. You know, it's quite atmospheric, but just one of those cheesy seventies horrors. Um, and I think that's about all for the uh, comments this week. So if you, yeah, if you want to comment on any of our podcasts and that, you can go over to our Facebook page as well facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies drop a comment over there or message us via that or just go to hag films on youtube find the playlists comment on any of our videos and i will try and read them out in future episodes so naif yes would you like to talk about the death of stalin um yeah how long have i got i didn't prepare for this i've got some cards here hang on (laughs) No, it's, um, yeah, so i got to be honest, i seen the film advertised when it first came out. Yeah. And it was definitely a film that noted in my head, right, you know, I wouldn't mind giving that a watch. I do like a bit of history. Uh, I, I much prefer sort of wartime history. If I had to pick a period, it would probably be more sort of the Napoleonic era. But... Uh, I do like a nice First World War, Second World War film, but obviously Stalin, the death of Stalin is, uh, is what is it, 10, 11 years after the... Yeah, it would have been. Well, it's about seven or eight years after the uh, end of the Second World War, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, sort of we all know Stalin to be this um, ruthless dictator uh, in Russia. And... Um, yeah, I've got to be honest, I didn't really know much about his death and how that came about. I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the sort of way he dies in the film is relatively historically accurate, I is it? I think it is, yeah. He had like an aneurysm um, after an evening with his cabinet. And apparently, yeah, they was up till early hours in the morning watching Westerns. <laughs> <laughs> Just let's talk about Stalin first of all because he's not in it for very long but no possibly one of the best um portrayals of stalin you'll ever see in a film adrian mclaughlin plays him and he plays him like a sort of a cockney geezer doesn't he that's <laughs> you know? yeah that's what was so brilliant about it is sort of the moment he opens his mouth is like hang on a minute is this lock stock and two smoking barrels it just it's just great isn't it because no one hides like they're all cast there's a brilliant cast in it, and they're all cast for themselves. I don't know. They're not 
cast to play Russians. No. Some are playing Americans. Some are playing British, you know. Um, they're playing it for laughs. It's just fantastic. It works really well. It, it might sound a mess, but it just works really well. But yeah, Adrian McLaughlin as Stalin. Just where where that bloke turns up with the record. Yeah. It's like, uh, what took you so long? You fucking walk here. <laughs> it's like you don't, <laughs> don't expect Stalin to talk quite so. I think if they'd have tried to utilise Russian accents, I think it would have just killed the whole humour of the film, wouldn't it? You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It's, it's like your Monty Python sort of... It's got Michael Palin in it, but it's it possibly is the funniest film since The Life of Brian, the funniest British film since The Life of Brian. And it's similar to it, isn't it? It's like they're all just comedy characters, but in a, like we say, historically accurate event. I think for me, what I feel was the most humorous scene of the film is uh, when they're all coming into the room and Stalin you know, he's he's had his aneurysm or whatever and he's led on the floor and he's in a puddle of his own piss. <laughs> and they're all sort of... Obviously, the first thing that needs to be done, and you wouldn't hesitate in any situation in modern life if you saw someone in that state, you would try and seek some sort of medical assistance. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the way that each and every one of them sort of behaves... Because of what this potentially means, because of what the death of Stalin potentially means, the way they all behave about it is just hilarious. And the constant kneeling in the piss and sort of getting it on their clothes and Paul Whitehouse was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it's like they all come in and they all want to be close to him. and oh, oh. But then they, as soon as they get piss on him, you see they don't really care about him. They're more, oh, shit. Oh, what's that? <laughs> he got piss on me. Um, but also, yeah, they... They can't do anything until they've all voted on it, I think is the thing, isn't it? That's how it has to be all unanimous. And some of the best scenes in this are like yeah. where they're all voting. And every time, like like Michael Palin later on in the film, where he's, they're all sat around the table and he's talking. They're all ask, asking to vote and then he starts talking and they're like, oh, is he going for it or not? And they're all, all their hands are going up and down and up. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just don't yeah, know. No which... one can get left behind. <laughs> So it starts off. The first scene is the um, it's in the the, the orchestra's playing, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, it's Paddy Constantine is like I don't know if he's like the director at the orchestra or something. And he's the phone rings and he picks it up and it's it's Stalin on the phone. It says uh, I'm going to phone you back in 17 minutes or phone me back in 17 minutes, and then hangs up the phone. Paddy Constantine's like, oh, God, I've got to phone him back in 17 minutes. The, the, the other lad is like, what, 17 minutes from now or 17 minutes from then? And then he's like, was it a, a, a five or a nine? What did he say, five or nine? So like, I don't know. I wasn't on the phone. <laughs> yeah, you keep telling me that. Because he's really <laughs> flustered. This could be life or death because Stalin was a... He was more, you know, he was more brutal than sort of Hitler was, you know. He was that brutal, just sending out death squads for his own people. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as you've in contact with him, you don't want to fuck this up because it's your neck on the line. So 17 minutes later, he phones Stalin back 
And it's a real flustered conversation, isn't it? He's like, oh, hello, how are you? How's it? Oh, I like, not the way to address Stalin at all, but he doesn't know what he's saying. And then Stalin's like, I'm sending someone down to pick up a copy of that orchestra, that recording of that uh, performance. They'll be with you shortly. And he's like, oh, did we record this? And they hadn't recorded. So then he, as everyone's leaving, he's ushering them all back to record the orchestra and uh that is you know it's a hilarious scene you think surely that can't this can't be true but it is it is true they had to record it again and they had to refill the orchestra to muffle the sound they had to get people in off the streets to fill up the seats you just can't imagine uh sort of especially in this day and age living a life where you know you had that fear to force you to have to do that, like, you know. That's right. And it's meant to be their, you know, that's their, their leader. It's just killing ev- off everyone. And it shoots, you know, it comes back to bite him because once he's hard, half dead on the floor and they've got to get doctors in, they've got no good doctors left because Stalin's killed them all. And so they're, as the death squads are getting sent out, and they go to get that, the the doctor sees all the, the army coming and they think, oh shit, they're going to kill us. And it's like this old retired doctor. But they're like, no, you're coming with us. And the same as, like, as the, yeah, and he gets called out during, like, the roundup of the death squad. And he's like, what's going on? And doesn't the orchestra, the, the conductor as well, they get him out of bed, don't they? And he yeah, yeah, that's right. He get... thinks he's going to get axed. And then in actual fact, <laughs> it's the, um, the guy from the radio uh, company that was uh, broadcasting the the orchestra has sent someone because the, the original conductor like has some sort of fit or whatever in the, uh, in the radio room and headbutts a fire bucket <laughs> and knocks himself out, which is just, it's so slapstick, but you just sort of like, you just, gloss over it because of the way the film's done it's not in it's not like a slapstick film but just sort of you know it just moves so quickly it doesn't really give you time to dwell on it you just sort of pass it on or pass it by and then the piano the pianist she basically has had history with stalin she's sort of uh lost family lost friends and she doesn't care what she says to him does she no and uh, just as the army turn up to pick up the recording, she s- snatches it out of the mate's hand and slips a note in there and says, I want Stalin to read that. <laughs> and the bloke's like Paddy Constantine, just <laughs> this panic, and he snatches it. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, the army's like, no, we'll take that. We've noted how late you are. So then the note goes off. And, um, yeah, I don't think it was in real life that, note did go out to her and she just basically it was a bit different stalin had listened to that performance sent her like a gift and she sent him a a letter basically thanking him for the gift and then saying i pray for all your sins on humanity or something to that effect right yeah so it was quite a damning letter brave thing to do and in this, they sort of tie that in with his death. But I think it's a little bit of creative um, license there. But that's the thing. It doesn't It doesn't matter. It's 
the way this movie is formed it is a masterpiece isn't it just how they've crafted this story with all these historical elements into a really enjoyable one hour and 40 minutes yeah i mean considering the subject matter i think if there wasn't the humor in it i think it would definitely go stale given the subject matter but as far as the documentary goes it wouldn't be the most gripping of documentaries watching a load of politicians fight over the scraps you know what i mean but because of the humor it makes it a real sort of gripping yeah sort of film to watch and it's not you know when you call it humor it's not it's uh it's not sort of necessarily in your face laugh out loud it's just the way that they're all all of these politicians are tripping over each other the whole time it's just it's brilliant to watch like you know soon as there's that that vacuum at the top they're all trying to fill it but the two main sort of guys are steve buscemi yeah as khrushchev yeah i don't know if that's spelt uh, if that's pronounced right and then uh Beria, who is he is the evil one really isn't he yeah he's the one who sort of takes joy you know he was a real bastard and he before stalin dies he's taking the lists with all the people you know to out to the soldiers all the lists that they're going to go and round up and kill all these people and he's like go, taking joy in like giving the details oh Kill him. Make sure she watches. Things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's. Uh, but doesn't he? Doesn't he? Um, before Stalin's even dead, doesn't he change the list and send out his own? He list? does. He's putting his own people into place, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's changing it. He he basically he's trying to win the adoration of the people and make out it wasn't him. And I think that Steve Buscemi's character Khrushchev is completely aware of this is going to happen and he's trying to sort of bring in a more liberal sort of approach to politics in Russia. He can see how, you know, how things really do have to change. He's the sort, he's the hero in this sort of messed up cabinet. Yeah. And the thing is, is it to start off with, he seems to be very much the weaker of of the two yeah he's very much on the back foot he's very much making up for lost ground from the moment it sets off because barry is already there in the office with stalin on the floor when he uh when he turns up and um he's always one step behind isn't he you know yeah yeah and you can't you can't you can it is portrayed very well that he does sort of have the right idea about changing things or a better idea about changing things uh, and you do, you do sort of, you are rooting through him through the film, but you just can't help think that sort of because of everything that's happening and the way it's going about. And the fact that he's always drawing the short straw in when they're having these cabinet meetings that you think, Oh God, is, is he ever going to make any headway or is he just going to get left behind? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you don't really know the history, like I, I freely admit when I first watched this, I didn't, didn't know the story at all. And you just think, you know, how is this going to end? And it's, you know, you just know that you don't want uh, Beria to to come through. Russia really needs to change, you know, for its people's sake. 
and Beria sort of gets Jeffrey Tambor, American actor. Have you seen um, Arrested Development? Uh, no, but I yes, he I know. He plays the, the dad in Arrested Development, and in this, he sort of becomes acting head, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's all vain, and he's he's an idiot, isn't he? <laughs> Basically, and he is Beria's puppet. Yeah, and uh, he's acting like he's in charge, but you can tell he's just clueless and waiting for people to nudge him in the right direction. So Berry has got him under his control, and you can see that Steve Buscemi's character is trying to sort of nudge him in the right way. And But they're all getting into their little groups and backstabbing. There's and... no one character at the very beginning when it all happens, because they're so tentative, and so um, everyone's waiting to see, you know, what happens, what develops before they make a move. It's like a game of chess waiting for the other guy to, to move his piece first before you react to it. Other than Barrier, no one's really strong enough to put into into action a plan and a course uh, with any sort of strength or... Cunning. Yeah, but but Barry, even Barrier's not being direct about it, is he? He's just sort of being very underhanded. And uh, like you say, manipulating... Uh, Jeffrey Tambor's uh, Malenkov. Malenkov, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, he's, he's he's directing him like a puppet, and Malenkov doesn't doesn't have a clue what's going on. He's just the thing is with Malenkov, like you say, he's vain. He's he's got vanity, and the thing is, is once Beria, uh pushes him in the direction of being the um, the immediate stand-in of Stalin after his death, uh, Malenkov's where he wants to be, and he's just gonna. You know, because he's there and he's happy, and the people are looking at him, he's he's happy to just go with the flow with Barrier, just to maintain in that position, exactly. isn't it? Exactly, and I think none of them—they're all afraid to just sort of step out because they've all had to act as a unit for fear of if they ever broke out, then it's their neck on the line. And I guess it's still until they know where the power's going, there's still that fear that the same could happen. The way they're acting, they're all whispering behind each other's backs but sort of portraying a different side when they're all in discussion aren't they yeah everyone's too afraid to make too much of a bold move to risk losing what little power they do have and it but it plays in so well and just like the the comical bickering like the scene where they're all at the woods (laughs) after stalin's death yeah and um you see them all whispering in their little groups and then Paul Whitehouse is like, oh yeah, what are you doing over there? <laughs> you know, and it's like children at school, isn't it? You know, what are you doing in their gang sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, and then when Stalin's daughter turns up and they, they all want to be the first one over there to, to race to her. And, <laughs> um, and also the scene where Stalin's body's being driven. No, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's absolutely brilliant and they're all trying to get there first they they want to be the first one to be following uh stalin's body because basically there's going to be a procession leading into the city isn't there yeah and i, I think they're just trying to be like whoever's the closest behind in their heads whoever's the closest behind stalin's body it, it's like a a a statement of how important they are to the cabinet you know they are uh, yeah it's yeah. like a a, a uh, extension of their own importance and then as they're sort of all back in their cars out to try and get out and then one of them is it Beria the first one who sort of yeah, stops and gets Barry. out and puts his hand on his chest and then they're all like oh shit yeah, we've got pulls- to do that now so they all have to stop yeah. the cars and they get out and they all put their hand on their chest as the 
hearse goes past and then Barry is straight back in and off before everyone yeah. else and cuts in front of them and it's just hilarious it's so petty. and it's those those little moments uh you know because Beria was also the first to Stalin's daughter and Beria was the first and you just think he's got the upper hand all the, all, time, all the yeah. way through he's he's constantly the more cunning of all, all is it five or six of them six yeah of them, five or it? six yeah I think there might be six them, I think I think it's six because that's the problem is is there's always three three on three isn't there there's no it, you know in any group like that you need to have an odd number so that there's a deciding vote but they all have to vote unanimously yeah. don't they yeah but um michael palin's character as well just so spineless he's such a nice guy isn't he you know he's and he's on the list isn't he at the beginning they're like yeah oh bye my friend see we'll never see you again they sort of mutter doesn't he he's like oh yeah barry says he made the list but Michael Palin's wife was, he thinks, has been executed. And Beria has kept her alive. Yes, yeah. And then now that Stalin's dead, he Beria brings her back. And Michael Palin is, is like, they're talking about his wife. And he's like, going, oh, yeah, she's a traitor. She deserved to die and all this. And she stood around the corner waiting. <laughs> Beria's like going to introduce her back to him. But even once they're reunited... He still calls her the traitor all the time, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just real spineless. But it's great seeing Michael Palin in something again. Yeah. But he's, um, even when he's uh, the, later in the film, when he's walking his dog and he meets with um, Khrushchev and, oh, who was the other uh, one? Oh, yeah, it's the... Uh, The American chap. I can't remember his name. There's another British bloke, isn't it? Sort of like with a big moustache, didn't he? Um, uh, yes, that's the guy. Is he not American? I, can't, I thought he was an English actor. Anyway, that guy with the tash and uh, Khrushchev and Palin. God, like, get some consistency. Molotov. Khrushchev, Molotov. Khrushchev, Molotov and the guy with the tash are all in the back of the car. And... Uh, Palin's like trying to cover up the the noise of their conversation because they're they're miles away from the drivers. No one's going to hear them, but he's he can't he can't be no. uh, deceitful uh, in with any chance of anyone hearing it. It has to be completely cloak and dagger. Where the others are always sort of whispering behind directly behind other people's backs. He has to be really extreme with it because he's so fearful. He's um yeah. It just adds to the. Yeah. The feel of his spinelessness. Yeah. Just real, you know, and to someone who was like him, so obedient to Stalin, to think that he was actually, he'd made that list out of all of those people who were so quick to backstab. I mean, after their night, you know. Yeah. They all like, uh, Steve Buscemi says, make sure you get your, you tell your wife everything you've said. So in the morning you can go back over, you know, you know what you're, what you're dealing with yeah what you're walking because into. you say the one the wrong thing in front of stalin he'll remember and it's uh you know and you think palin looks like he's the one who treads the most cautiously and he's made that list but uh i'm turning over my page you've got a page i've got two pages i've got to make notes nafe so i forget what's happened it's a good job one of us does mate yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about the sun for a bit? Stalin's sun? Yeah. 
Well, it starts off, he's at a hockey game, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he is at the hockey game. And he keeps not mentioning the plane crash. Don't mention the plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, they keep mentioning it. And he's like, it didn't happen. What are you talking about? What plane crash? And he's denying it and denying it. And what actually happened, he was put in charge of the national hockey team. Yep. And he flew them all out during a snowstorm even though he was advised not to. And the plane crashed and he killed the whole team. So he recruited another team without Stalin knowing. He didn't want his dad to know. And he got away with it. His dad never realised that he killed off the national hockey team. <laughs> that's just absolutely ridiculous. That really happened? And that really happened, yeah. That's mental. That's what I mean. It's, it is a comedy of errors. It's a, such a tragic, evil sort of story. But to be able to find such comedy out of it, the British just laugh at anything, I think. We have to find humour in the darkest sort of areas. The son is like a proper drunk and spoiled little brat. Yeah. They've got no respect for him whatsoever. They're all beating him up. <laughs> yeah, and the daughter has more balls than the son. Yeah, I love the interaction between um, Khrushchev and the daughter in Stalin's chambers, he's, he's he's trying to comfort her and he's trying to say, say words in such a way as to say, <laughs> look, you don't have to worry about anything. I'm going to take care of you. I'll make sure that everything's okay. But he keeps... Uh, she. He says the word harm. No one's going to harm you. Why? Who's going to harm you? Yeah. No, no one's going to harm you. Well, stop saying harm. <laughs> he keeps, yeah, that's it. Like, he's, he's, with the nicest intent, the 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 wrong choice of word turns it into almost like an offensive, like, you know, where, where he's, yeah, he's yeah. like, she's misinterpreting it as a threat almost, you know, and uh, the way he's trying to sort of backpedal and like, negotiate. And he keeps trying to turn it around to being this kind, sensitive um, person offering comfort and sentiment in her hour of need. And she keeps getting her back up and sort of uh, misinterpreting it. It's just hilarious to watch. And then Steve Buscemi just does the awkwardness so well. He, he plays a character in a way that he's played in so many films, isn't he? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it, in, in a way, it reminds me of his character in Fargo very much. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's a typical Steve Buscemi role. And that's what I mean. That Everyone is cast for being... They're bringing their, what they're best known for, I think. Yeah, know? yeah. Especially like the comedy actors. And just to see faces like, I say, Palin in there and uh, Paul Whitehouse. Yeah. Just, they're given so much clout in this. It's just... Put Paul Whitehouse in the scene when they're in um, Stalin's chambers, when they found him, is just brilliant. He steals the whole scene for me. <laughs> When they're all carrying the body yeah. and then they're putting it down on the bed and he's trapped under and they're like <laughs> sliding the body up over his head. And it's the side <laughs> that had all the piss on as well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. And like the doctors, when they get the doctors, they're like, really, are you really old or really young? And they're like going, how old are you? Oh, oh, like to the young one, I'm I, 28. No, you're not. And then, like, Fuck how off. old are you? I'm old. You look like a. You're not even a doctor. You look like a testicle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That was Stalin's son there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not even a person. You're a testicle. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the soldier tries to snatch, or Stalin's son's trying to snatch the gun off the soldier. Yeah. And they're having that wrestle for the gun, and everyone's just stood watching and just. It's just really awkward, really isn't awkward. it? It goes on forever. <laughs> it's just. It is a classic British comedy, this. Just. It's subtle, but it's. It is, slap, it is slapstick. It is farcical. But it's it's just done so well. Like I say, it's probably my favourite British comedy film since The Life of Brian. That's quite the statement. Yeah, I can't think of whether I've missed any. Perhaps you guys out there can tell us if I've missed any. But yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think there's anything quite like this. Since the yeah, since Monty Python were making the films, the funeral when they're at the funeral scene, uh, not the funeral, but they're he's sort of standing in state, isn't he? And all the people yeah. are coming to visit them, and they're all like whispering along the line. Steve Buscemi is trying to have a conversation with Beria. Yeah, he says to uh, Jeffrey Tambor Malenkov, "Swap with me." And he's like, no, I'm not swapping with you. And he goes, we'll make it look like part of the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like does this sidestep and then another sidestep and he stands in front of him and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> 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 Just completely fails. There's so many little moments like that. But one character we haven't mentioned and quite an important character is the the sort of the general of the army, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Who's been ousted because Barry has put in his own sort of secret, his own serviceman, isn't he? Like the, uh, it's their equivalent to the SS, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. And um, Jason Isaacs, isn't it? Yeah. As there's that scene where uh, basically Malenkov Malenkov speaking to him and trying to sort of uh, suggest the group turning against Beria and then he sort of very straight faced sort of calls Malenkov on it. And you can see Malenkov sort of <laughs> shitting himself. Yeah. And then he's like, ah, you should have seen your face. Yeah, fucking brilliant. Are you suggesting? That? <laughs> 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 but he's almost like Finchy at the office, isn't he? In that he's like yeah. quite a bullshy sort of character, isn't he? Yeah. So he's on board for sort of knocking Beria out. And actually the scene where they finally all vote basically to execute Beria. Yeah. And he's just just begging for his life. It's, you know, he is a monster. And, you know, Steve Buscemi's character points out, don't feel for this guy because he, he's the bloke who killed one of our friends. And when he was asked to, like, look, look after his, his mother... He strangled her in front of him before he killed him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just things like that. Real evil, evil man. And then to see his death, it's such a brutal scene. And that's the thing, this film, it's clever how it starts off at such a lampoonish sort of comedy. But by the end of it, you you realise how serious a film and how serious a story you've just watched I don't know, yeah, it just, by the end, you're like, 
wow, you know, that was really funny, but at the same time, really harrowing. And it's hooked you for the comedy, but you, it's such a serious subject matter. It has made light of it without making light of it. It's just the comedy has punctuated how this story needed to be told. Yeah, yeah. But it's tasteful. It's not, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I, it's I, just, I think if you don't watch it to the end, it would be easy to think that the film is making light of something that is a very serious moment in history. But I think if you give the film the benefit of the doubt and watch it right through to the end, you are rewarded with uh, how tasteful the overall film is. Yeah. You you need to watch the closing scenes to fully appreciate it. If you don't get that far, then you've done the film an injustice. Yeah. You've done yourself an injustice. Yeah. It is, um, it's not just a good film. This film it is a work of art. It is, I got a feeling it's going to be one of those films that sort of remembered and talked about for a long time. It's going to be considered one of those comedy classics in years to come. And I think it will last longer than a lot of the comedies that are around today. Do you know what I mean? It's because of the subject matter and because of how it's handled. Everyone definitely brought their A game uh, to the acting. You know what I mean? Because it takes real, as you say, it takes some to make it look as if everybody is just ad-libbing the whole thing because there's no way you could direct that chaos and confusion. But everybody does it so well. Like, you know what I mean? It is, you're totally sold on all of the characters and their behaviour. But I wasn't expecting Barrier just to get shot straight in the centre of the Swede like that at the end. No. And I'm not sure that that's quite how it happened. I think... That's only sort of to wrap up the film. I think he was executed, but I don't think it was straight after sort of Stalin's funeral. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I can't think of anything else to say about Death of Stalin, Nath, can you? Watch it. I have. I just watched it the other night. If you had to give it a mark between 9 and 10, what would you give it? I'd probably give it 9.8. 9.9. Yeah. Now, I would say this is, out of all the films we've reviewed, this and The Man Who Wasn't There are probably my two favourites so far. You sure Capone wasn't? <laughs> I don't know. I might have to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is it. Right. Last week we looked at Capone yep. and it's a, a bit of a biopic with its own spin and there was nothing gripping about it. There was no historical fact. Whereas we've just watched a, a slapstick, lampoonish, sort of farcical comedy about the death of Stalin, which has a lot more grit. You know, and they're both about the last days or the last, you know, the end of a tyrant's life. One worked, one didn't. Yeah, no, that's and one a- was a, a, a massive comedy. You know, yeah, but the thing is, right, is the death of Stalin is a story that had a beginning, yeah, a middle, and an end, which are three important components of a storytelling. A story, (laughs) whereas Capone had a beginning, and then there was a lot of nothingness, and then there was a confusing. 
finish. <laughs> it's not even an end, was it? The, the the difference between the two films is the fact that there is substance to the death of Stalin. Yeah. Knife, Trev. Thanks ever to watch, and thank you everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll. Would you like to join me again next week, Nath? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's do that. But, yeah, anyway, so that was We Need to Talk About Movies. If you've enjoyed this, give us a rating or share us. You can find us on YouTube at Hag Films on YouTube, or you can get in touch with us through Facebook forward slash We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. Can't they, Nath? Yes, they can. Cool. All right, take care, my friend, and I will see you next week. I'll see you in the next one, buddy. Take it easy, mate. Peace and cheers. Cheers.